So they speak very simply about their precepts or the standard. There's a vehicle towards happiness, vehicle towards uh, fulfillment, Volga Sampada, vehicle towards liberation, cooling of passion. Therefore, these should be kept clear, pure. Mm. It's to just place this whole sense of uh, training in a right perspective. This is for our happiness and comfort. Mm. (laughs) Which uh, people who are sleeping on the floor of the workshop on concrete... (laughs) on a blanket, might have some doubts about that. (laughs) But uh, it's a kind of comfort of the heart, Uh, that which can be liberated, which prepared to put up with some physical discomforts and inconveniences. Mm -hmm. And when we look at it very simply, it is about sense restraint on one level, just drawing ourselves away from the senses that pull us out into entertainments, beautification, adornments. This is a very prime example. Yeah. Yeah. Games and stuff like that. Yeah. Which occupies a considerable amount of human attention and energy and money spent on this alone. A sense restraint, not really giving much value to senses, apart from just this orientation, not for pleasure, just see where we are, feel where we are. Yeah, sense restraint. The other is um, why? Because when you restrain the senses, your your attention is not thrown out into the world around you. It, you can put it out there as you need to, but it's not dragged out. And your intention, that is your attitude behind it, isn't just seeking for gratification or escape, escapism. Uh, Which is one of the big things that um, people seek because they find the stress and discomfort and the gloom of uh, human life need something to take a break with, so we switch on something, won't go to a match, absorb ourselves into entertainment, you know, to take us away from, you know, the hard stuff, difficult stuff. But here we're recognizing that, and is there a way we can find comfort and peace, which isn't bound up with sense contact? This is, in fact, exactly what the Buddha discovered and emphasized. That actually a far greater quality of ease, comfort, and restfulness is available, uh, not within the senses, but within the mind, or within the heart, and very much guided there by sense restraint. Yeah. So when you restrain the senses, it doesn't mean you've died, but you're drawing your energies back. 
and this is accomplished partly by intention but also just by focusing on the body internally feeling of the body the energy in the body the vitality of the body which I use as a main theme for meditation practice because this uh, vitality a sense of uh, life life in the body can be cleared of numbness, agitation, discomfort to a fine degree. And when the heart dwells in that, it feels very happy indeed. The Buddha's pragmatic, he recognized we seek pleasure, said, well, this is where you get it. (laughs) The best, the most sustaining, the most comfortable, the most long-lasting, with no side effects, and it's free. So sense restraint for happiness. Yeah. So this is uh, to remind us of this because I think you come up into a, a Western culture, you often have a feeling of morality as a kind of punishment. Yeah. Fear of doing wrong, punishment from some, you know, somebody's up there watching us and we get punished, illegal things like that. So it's based upon fear. We're actually, morality in Buddhism is based upon love. Heart quality. And similarly, that, that is how we, we bring forth that. The other aspect of these precepts is a sense of conscience and concern. So a sense of love and respect for others so we don't abuse or manipulate or deceive or force or dominate or push around or whatever other people and people feel they can rely upon us what we say is true reliable the word is true reliable so people feel oh that's something I don't have to have doubt about or feel uncomfortable with this person and they speak the truth uh, I can rely upon that and that's so helpful because you know, what else are we going to guide us each other with except for our speech and actions if our speech and actions are not reliable we're actually a problem for other people not a benefit if our speech and actions are reliable then we're, we're there's great benefit in our presence that makes us strong, comfortable. Also, we recognize, you know, for our own welfare, if there's uh, uh, craving, ill will, uh, escapism, uh, you know, understandable, but please don't do our own heart any good. You know? So we're looking at how we keep our own heart clean so there's nothing we need to regret. You know? Nothing we fear other people finding out about. <laughs> so we become, said, carrying the bliss of blamelessness. That's the expression. You're uncowed, you're unbound, you're un, not nervous, and you, you rest in that, in that sense of truth and clarity and uh, so forth. So you, you carry this quite 
make something very important about this. Mm. And this goes quite deep. We could say that in some ways many of these aspects of the teaching cover all of it. <laughs> Why we take these repeatedly is because although we may not physically act in inappropriate ways, we might say things that we're not careful about that have offensive qualities. This is sometimes just because we picked up the language and you just say things that come into your head. You know, and you just hear going on around you. And actually not you don't actually know, you're just repeating something or picking up speech habits, speech mannerisms. You know. So you grow up, for example, I grew up in a pretty kind of rough and ready area of London. So you start off just, your ordinary speech is just kind of, you don't have any speech. And you get some speech, you just start saying what other people are saying, which isn't, isn't necessarily very good. Your parents look shocked. <laughs> you're just saying what you heard on the street. What is that? You don't even know what you're saying. And so there's a lot of gossip, misinforming, half-truths that we, we don't... What do you really know for sure? You can say, I know this. I know this myself. I see this myself. We're really valuing that. Uh, and then he's... And things we don't need to bring up or speak out, things that create worry or distress or blaming others or you know, caricaturing other people. No, this is not beautiful. No need to do that. So we use that speech, speech faculty uh, carefully and recognizing that probably you know, we, we slip up on it. Because it's so close to what we think, and our thinking isn't necessarily our own. You pick it up from the radio, the media, newspapers, you just uh, pass on rumors, pass on you know, un unpleasant speech and thought. So that. We recognize also, we're really clear about it, that this sense of um, ethical qualities, even if you haven't spoken, acted, still one can have a bearing ill will in mind. You know? Sort of, so even carrying in your mind uh, attitudes that are not beautiful. You know? uh, having people in your mind that you criticize or find fault with in a negative way. Fantasies you pick up from the media. And so again, this is something that we recognize being in our uh, human situation, you, you just pick up some of these, these images and ideas kind of saturate you. And they start to stick in your mind. I was noticing the other day just how, for example, the word aggression, which, I don't know, a few years ago was considered a 
pretty bad thing is now considered a good thing. You have an aggressive football team, you have an aggressive foreign policy, you have an aggressive economic policy, we enter an aggressive debate, and that's good. <laughs> you have an aggressive politics, and that's considered good. To have your mind in a kind of, <clears throat> kind of brutal, no holds barred, or you know, aggressive manner is considered good. And so, you know, you can sort of find yourself in this being modelled on a subtle level by um, the defilements of the society. Sexual misconduct is fun, entertainment, amusing, great thing to do. And so forth. What effect does it have on you drinking absolutely normal? In fact, to not drink is being a bit weird. It's an antisocial gesture <laughs> to not drink. That's how it's got that to actually, you know, keep a precept to not poison yourself with alcohol is considered <laughs> an antisocial act. that people will find fault with. <laughs> What's wrong with you? Yeah. So <laughs> you pick up these kind of attitudes yeah, that has fun, it's amusing, it's relaxed, it's entertaining. So you think, well, just carrying these attitudes in mind. So where do we find our, our warm-heartedness? Do we need to have a drink to do that? That's pathetic, isn't it, really? Uh, do you need to be aggressive in order to have strength? That's unbalanced. You have the strength of integrity, strength of truth, the strength of purity. That, that is strength. That's not fake strength. That's not posture. That's innate. Upright mind mind upright and it's the word uju uju chitta upright mind upright heart uh, you know that's uh there's something about that that also gives a sense of what it does in terms of our our actions are upright and our body itself is upright not casual, it's not leaning, it's not slouching, it's not fidgeting, it's upright. And so this takes us right into meditation practice when you begin to recognize uh, when your body is steady and upright, it's a very good way of reviewing the kind of and uh, clearing the kind of tangles and congestions and stresses that we absorb in our life. And if they absorb these stresses and tangles and congestion of daily life, the problem is that we become less sensitive to our thoughts, our speech, our attitudes, become less sensitive to it. And one of our processes in meditation is just to keep cleaning, 
cleaning so we become more sensitive and that makes us stronger and brighter. <laughs>